You're listening to Spice Radio, 1200 AM's The Morning Buzz, and we are speaking to Charlie Smith, the editor of Vancouver. Charlie, how are you this morning? Oh, I'm doing very well, thanks, Ben Karen. I'm doing well too, Charlie, and I have to say it's a long weekend, so I'm feeling like extra excited today. But Charlie, there's a lot I want to cover with you this morning. And first off, uh, Canada's Senate on Thursday passed a bill that will require Google and Meta to pay media outlets for news content that they share or otherwise repurpose on their platform. So Charlie, I just wanted to get your thoughts on this announcement. What do you think? Well, I think it's a, it's a welcome move in that um, for the... Uh, media outlets that have really been suffering, and I think these U.S. companies have made a lot of money through the labor of journalists and others who've been creating content for so many years, and it's, you know, they're basically, the government, I think, is is being quite modest in terms of what uh, demands it's imposing on these social media companies, but the they're raising up their hind legs and saying no, 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 and and Google says they're not going to disseminate uh, Canadian news, and we saw this movie before in Australia, um, and I, th- I think it's uh, one of the challenges that the Canadian government faces is they're, they're kind of caught between the demands of the media, the private media, and um, the U.S. government, which it has to deal with, and, um, you know, companies like Google and Facebook and a lot of the others, Netflix, are cornerstones of the American economy, and so any moves made against these corporations can elicit a reaction from Washington. So, um, and, and these large companies also have a lot of lobbying power. So, they start by saying, we don't want it, and we're going to take our marbles, and we're going to go home. But behind the scenes, you can bet that there were sophisticated lobbying efforts being made on behalf of these companies. But it also comes at an interesting time in Canada, in that Post Media, which owns Vancouver and Sun and Province, is close to being broke. So now it's negotiating a merger with Torstar, which owns the Toronto Star and a bunch of community papers in, in the uh, Toronto area and in Ontario. So you've got the, the Canadian print media particularly on its knees. The broadcast media is also suffering. And and then you've got <laughs> looking to Google and Facebook to help pay the bills, and they don't want to do this. And behind the scenes, they probably have the support of people like Kamala Harris, who happens to be, you know, came out of, California and the San Francisco area, which is where a lot of these companies are headquartered. So it's it's a challenge. It certainly is, Charlie. And I was telling you, too, I feel like this is one of those things that, of course, you know, should have been done right as social media was kind of coming about, you know, have these regulations, you know, how do we protect Canadian media? I think especially now having this conversation in a time where the media landscape is really going through a whole lot of challenges here. I just think this is something that should have been done sooner. So, I mean, let's see what happened with this. I don't think this will be like the saving grace. So I guess we'll have to give it some time there. But now, Charlie, another really big story here, um, especially it's 
it's a long weekend. A lot of people like to go and visit the island. And of course, BC ferries is the way people do go. We did, though, get news just the other day that they are down one vessel, which then basically resulted in BC ferries having to cancel some sailings on a very busy long weekend. So my question to you here, Charlie, is what are the challenges here with BC ferries? Well, it's it's a problem. One of the big problems is having enough crew, and it, like many businesses, are is, uh, suffering under the um, you know the labor shortage. But it's it's made worse for BC ferries by a couple of things. One, you've got the federal government with crewing requir- requirements, saying you need a certain number of crew before a vessel can travel. Another problem you've got is COVID nineteen, which is uh, creating some real problems with absenteeism, uh, and, and particularly long COVID. But the third issue, which is the higher cost of living in communities um, where ferries kind of dock and depart from. So an area like Tawasson, for instance, Delta, Ladner, you could be a BC ferry worker and you could you could live in Ladner and probably have a comfortable life 15 or 20 years ago, or Sydney um, on Vancouver Island or Nanaimo. And, and you never really could in West Vancouver, but, but that's another story, but the Gulf Islands. But the real estate prices have risen to such a degree that it's pricing out the types of middle-class workers who might work for BC ferries. And and the challenge is it's a long way. Like if you're living in Surrey or you're living in, uh, let's say, Coquitlam, and the unemployment rate is low, you really want to work for BC ferries when you can probably find something closer to home. So. This is another um, major issue, and I'm wondering at some point whether the provincial government might step in and start talking about employee housing for ferry workers, because, you know, it started years ago in Whistler, where, where Whistler got too expensive for the workers, and, and then it spread to Vancouver, and, and now it's, it's uh, spreading to places like the Gulf Islands and... and uh, Sydney, BC, and and so so David Eby's put in a new president, uh, Nicholas Jimenez, uh, who helped clean up ICBC. But these are issues that ICBC didn't have to deal with, and and I don't know who's going to solve that. But I think it's going to require mobilization at a level higher than BC ferries. Mm-hmm. No, it's going to require a lot of work because, like you said, there are so many factors at play here, Charlie. And now, finally, it is a long weekend, Charlie. And, of course, it's Canada Day. Long weekend. But, of course, we were talking about how Canada Day celebrations have really evolved over the years. How has it changed? Yeah, I think, first of all, what I noticed was um, the, the, they have in Vancouver in 2017, it was the 150th anniversary of uh, confederation. So across the country, they were having all these 150th anniversary celebrations. But what happened in Vancouver was they said, let's do Canada 150 plus. And they incorporated a great deal of indigenous uh, history and participation in Canada Day. So it was kind of a wake-up call. And the... Um, and I think Vancouver, City of Vancouver, was a little ahead of the 
the curve here and uh, said, well, how can we do Canada Day that really uh, pays respects to the first inhabitants of this land? And, um, and then we started to see more of that. But what happened, I think, um, in 2020, which really changed the thinking, was uh, the discovery of uh, what appear to be unmarked graves on the former Camelot's in Indian Residential School, and that happened in May, um, and the, or that was 2021, and, and when that happened, I think it cast a real pall on, on Canada Day, because that was just about a month and a half later, less than that, and um, it, it put to the forefront the history of this country, which was based on the theft of Indigenous lands. So I thought in in that year, and it was also in the midst of the pan, pandemic, Canada Day became much more somber occasion, and, uh, and some people um, raising concerns uh, about these these things, and and even MTS Popat with the Coalition Against Bigotry Pacific, he was also pointing out that the Asaw family. Um, was murdered in June on June sixth, twenty twenty one, in London, Ontario, and that that also uh, spoke to issues of racism in the country. And so I think what's happened since then, we're we're having um, celebrations are returning, but they're not quite in that same kind of rah rah boosterism. Um, and there's also uh, much more Indigenous participation. In the cultural events, so when you when you see what takes place in Parliament Hill, for instance, um, there is a, a an acknowledgement of what's taken place, and it isn't just we live in the greatest country on earth, and, and let's forget about our history. So, mm-hmm. no, certainly there has been a change there, Charlie. But I hope you have a wonderful long weekend and take it easy, okay? Okay, you too, Men Karen. Thank you. Thanks. Bye.